Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from 1 Corinthians 13, a passage of scripture you might be familiar with a little bit. Um, do we have the whole first 13? Okay, good. All right, no. All right. I'm going to read the whole chapter. So that's what's going to happen. And if you got your Bibles, which I would recommend you bring in on a regular basis, um, it may not be on the screen, so that's going to be okay. But if you would stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. It's hard to carry a screen with you all the way around, so you need your Bible, right? So 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. Paul writes, If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I want to remind you there's an insert in your bulletin for you to take some notes this morning. Um, those notes will also be available on our website along with the audio from this sermon later this week if I can get back in my office. We'll see. Uh, this morning, we're concluding a, a series uh, on staying in love. And as I've been saying during this series, it's, it's become fairly easy in our culture to fall in love. The harder thing is to stay in love. And so this past few weeks, we've been talking about some biblical ways to keep the love burning in our relationships. And we continue that this morning. What you just heard is 1 Corinthians 13, one of the most popular, well-known passages of Scripture um, on love and really just in general in our society, uh, even those outside the church have probably heard parts or bits, if not the whole thing, um, of this passage of Scripture. Maybe you read it on a bumper sticker or you've seen it on T-shirts. If you've been to a wedding, you've most likely heard this passage of Scripture um, read during the service. It is chock full of insights and instructions 
on love. Yet when Paul wrote these words, he was not writing about romantic love. He was not writing about the love between a husband and wife. He was simply referring to the love that we should all have for each other, no matter the relationship, whether it be the marriage relationship or friendship or, or anything else. See, Paul was writing to the church in Corinth who had somewhat forgotten about love, or at least they had love way down on the totem pole. The church, or at least a segment of the church, had become, they had become enamored with the different gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially the gifts, the gift of speaking in tongues. Those in the church who had this gift of speaking in tongues, they were considered better than everybody else. And so what Paul's doing in chapter 13 is reminding the church and reminding us that what truly is important is love. And without it, it doesn't really matter. He put, as he puts it, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, if I've got this great gift of speaking in tongues, but I don't have love, I'm just a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. Basically, I'm just noise. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. What makes the gifts of the Spirit so powerful and so important is love. And without it, they mean nothing. And what, what Paul is writing about love, uh, while, he, while he's writing about a love that we should all have for each other, he, he does it does give us insights into the marriage relationship, and really any relationship. Specifically, when we look at verses 4 through 7, Paul gives us a list of how love plays itself out in a relationship. He gives us a list of love's do's and don'ts. In terms of what love is and what love does, Paul says love is patient, love is kind, it rejoices with the truth. And while those are, are, are kind of self-explanatory, it doesn't mean they're easy, right? It's tough being patient with the ones we love. And, and though it may seem contrary to some, it is sometimes hard to be kind to the ones that we love. You would think love and kindness go together, but, but it's hard to be kind to those closest to us, especially when they have hurt us. Paul also refers to a list, offers us a list of love's don'ts. He says, love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not honor, dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil. Now there seems to be a lot more don'ts than do's. I don't know if Paul's on to something or not, but Maybe he knows that there are many things that keep us from showing the love we are supposed to show to each other. Now, after this list of do's and don'ts, Paul hits us with verse 7. Verse 7 says, Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I'm going to say that again. This is, this is our main scripture this morning. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I think in the NASB or the, the KJV, the King James Bible, it says, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I kind of wonder what Paul's getting at. 
Because to me, when I, when I read these words, especially believes all things and, and always trust, it kind of sounds like love is blind. That's what it sounds like to me. And then Paul uses this word always or in all things. You mean I've got to trust my spouse, my friend, always in all things? I, got, I have to believe them always and in all things? This kind of makes love sound real naive. I mean, Paul, seriously, what's going on here? Let me try to, let me try to explain what I think is going on. In verse 7, and, and using four different phrases, Paul is trying to convey, convey one big point about relationships and about love. He's trying to help us to see that we have a choice on how we view the other person in the relationship. We have a choice in how we view the other person in the relationship. You see, no matter the relationship, whether marriage or friendship or whatever, we all experience the same thing. All relationships experience this one thing at some point in time. And this is that something. At some point, we have a gap between what we expect from others and then how they behave. I'm going to say that again. At some point, we have a gap between what we expect from others and how they behave. Any head nods going on? I mean, we're like, yes, that's true, Alan. Okay, I'm, you're with me. There comes a point where a gap is created between our expectations of the other person and their behavior. In every relationship, there is that gap. I expected you to do this, but instead you did this. For example, you said you would meet me at 4 o'clock, but instead you were late and you got here at 4.30. You're always late. You said you would take out the trash, but guess what? The garbage truck came by and there was no trash can at the end of the road. For the hundredth time, would you replace the toilet paper? Put the seat down. Please get your hair out the drain. You said you were able to pick up the kids on Wednesdays and Fridays, but every Wednesday never fails. You always call me to pick them up. You said you would call, but you haven't called. You said you wouldn't do that again, but you're still doing it. In every love relationship, really in all relationships, but especially in the romantic relationship, there will always be gaps between what we expect and what uh, actually happens. And these can be big promises or things that we said while we were dating or uh, promises you made in your marriage vows, or they can be simple, mundane, shallow things. But at some point, there are expectations, and those expectations come from promises or from the way we were raised that mama said, this is how wives, uh, this is how wives are supposed to be, or you know, daddy said, this is how a man's supposed to be. Man's supposed to mow the yard, woman's supposed to clean the house, you know, whatever. There are expectations, and then there are behaviors and actions, and there will be gaps between those two. Now, what Paul is getting at in verse 7 
is that we have a choice on how we fill the gap. We have a choice in how we fill those gaps. Think of it as, as a fill-in-the-blank test. You're given two choices to put in the blank. We can either believe the best or we can assume the worst. We can believe the best in that person or we can assume the worst of that person. But let me, let me, in, let me let you in on something. That choice begins right here in the mind. When you get to that moment, when you realize that their behavior, uh, the behavior of your spouse, the behavior of your friend, doesn't match up with your expectations, the choice is yours, and it starts up here. Will you assume the worst, or will you believe the best? In our minds, we go to one of two places. Say your spouse is late. If we believe the best, of our spouse, we think things like, well, she's had a lot on her mind. She's been real busy. He's had a lot on his plate. He's going to be here. He's going to be here. If we assume the worst, well, she's probably on the phone again, talking to her sister again, not paying any attention. He's working again, always working, doesn't have time for us. We can either believe the best or we can assume the worst. Now, there are two things that go into our decision-making when it comes to filling in the gaps. The first is this, what we see. What we see. We see that he's late again. We see that she's late again. We see that the behavior doesn't, uh, isn't matching our expectations. The other factor is who we are, who we are, what we see and who we are, and this one is a harder one. You see, we all come into the marriage relationship or any relationship, we all come into a relationship with history and experiences. We came in with mamas and daddies, and our mamas and daddies were either good examples or bad examples for uh, the marriage relationship. And our history and our past experiences have either affected or infected our hearts. And it's not going to take long before your spouse's response to you is going to trigger your past experience with other people in your life. It's, it's going to happen. And your past experiences, your hurt, your pain, your joy, what you saw growing up and what you experienced in previous relationships will affect how you fill in the gap. Believe the best or assume the worst? Let me ask you, which one do you tend to lean toward today? Which choice do you tend to fill in the blank with? When you get that text, hey, I'm going to be late. When you get that call, I can't do dinner tonight. Hey, I can't pick up the kids. Which do you lean towards? Believe the best or assume the worst? Successful couples, successful relationships, people who stay in love tend to fill in the blank with believe the best. 
Successful couples choose to fill in the blank with believe the best. If you can remember, if you can, some of you it's going to take a little bit harder to remember this. It's a little further back, you know. But we intuitively, we intuitively do this when we're dating our spouses. When we fell in love, and falling in love, I mean, it feels like we fell in a ditch or something. I don't know, but when we, when we fell in love, we automatically filled the gaps with believe the best. Remember when you and your, your husband were dating and you just thought he was the best thing since sliced bread. She was just, whoo, man. You, do you remember that? And hopefully you still, you know, like. But you couldn't find any fault with him. In fact, when somebody would come up to you and say, well, he's kind of a, uh, you just kind of covered it up. Or someone came up to you and said, well, well, she's a, uh, and you said, well, but uh. During our dating life, we automatically believe the, the best, yet somewhere along the line, perhaps as our relationships become more routine, we get stuck in the routine of life, we lose the willingness to choose to believe the best. And somewhere along the line, we start filling in the blanks with assume the worst. And look, I know I know that there are some things, some actions, some behaviors that our spouses or our loved ones partake in, and in that moment of their own selfishness, they do mean the worst. Sometimes that takes place, absolutely, that they mean the worst. They, they, have, they, have, they have chosen a selfish action. And there are some gaps that take place where we need professional help to help us choose how to fill in the gap. And it takes work, and it takes time, and a lot, a lot of effort. A lot of energy. And I'm not asking you to be naive, nor is Paul asking you to be naive. But love calls us to always protect, always trust, always hope, always persevere. We have a choice in how we fill in the gap. We have a choice in how we fill in the gap. And here's the awesome thing. Here's the amazing thing. Neither Paul nor I am asking you to do something that God isn't already doing with you. You see, in talking about love, Paul uses that little Greek word we've been talking about, agape. When Paul writes with, about love, he's writing about that unconditional love that only God truly understands and only God truly knows and only God can truly show. You see, when Paul asks us to fill in the gap with believe the best, he knows, he knows that God has already done that for you and for me. From almost the very beginning of creation, you, you know what? There has been a gap between us and God. And our sin has caused that gap. A holy and just and righteous God cannot have anything to do with sin. He just can't. And so we are separated from God. There is a huge chasm between us and God. Yet God, yet what God chose to do through his agape love, his unconditional love, is to send Christ 
as a sacrifice for our sins. And when Jesus was stretched out on that cross, God chose, God bridged the gap between us and him. God chose at that moment to forgive us of our sins through the sacrifice of Christ. He chose to fill in the gap, to fill in the blank with love. For those of us in Christ, God chose to express His love by keeping no record of our wrongs, to always believe, and to see the best in us. God looks on us and sees us as holy, and so therefore there is no gap between us and God. There is nothing that separates us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You see, Paul instructs us to love always, to fill in the gap with love, because God has already done that for each of us. Will you choose from this day forward, for better or for worse, to fill in the gap with love? Amen. Heavenly Father, We are blown away by your agape, unconditional love. We are blown away that you choose each day to see the best in us, to see us as holy. May we choose to see the best in each other. Especially those of us in the marriage relationship, help us to believe the best to fill in the gap with love, just as you have done with us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.